So here's how it often will play out. You've got an iron worker, they're working on the job site, they get injured. They go to the doctor. Unfortunately, the doctor gives them an opioid painkiller. And if they've got that addictive tendency, you can call it a gene or, or just a tendency, mm-hmm. they become addicted. They didn't intend to. They're not bad people. They almost become just a victim of the circumstance. So then they become addicted, but it's just a downward spiral. You know, if you know people who've been through that cycle, there, it's it's very difficult to overcome an addiction and they f- just feel worse and worse about themselves. And that leads to suicidal thoughts and tendencies. So we recognize this uh, spiral and um, the iron workers have put a big emphasis, number one, on addressing the addiction problem, uh, but also in uh, removing the stigma of suffering from an addiction And especially in being in a recovery program, we've got some super strong members who are in recovery who are very vocal. Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem system. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet system. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refine My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refine My Site for free for 60 days. Today's episode is sponsored by Construction Accelerator. The design and construction industries come up with and build great things, but we also build in waste in how we do those things, in our interactions, in our contracts, in our logistics. So what does this do for our bottom line or our next project? The best firms maximize their value by removing that waste and only doing what's essential to the work, what makes them money. Construction Accelerator will train you to see the waste and give your teams the lean tools and experience to remove it immediately. All online, Construction Accelerator is made up of three to nine minute videos that can be watched again and again in the field, at the office, and at home, all broken down by topic. Need to learn pool planning? We have videos on the process, how to set up a room, and how to kick off a team. Need to set up a target value delivery project? We discuss all the aspects of TVD, especially cost. Or maybe you just need to brush up on 5S. Well, we have videos on that as well. You can download and print reference materials to use on-site to immediately translate watching into doing. Subscribe today at tricanow.com. Let's build an industry, not just a project. 
Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Cindy Menchis. Cindy, I always enjoy our conversations together over the years, and I'm glad that we became fast friends talking about things like lean and learning, which are synonyms in my book. Cindy, can you introduce yourself and let the good people of the EBFC show audience know who you are? I am Impact's Director of Professional Development and Training. I uh, am a civil engineer by training and uh, have actually never done design engineering. I've always been in construction. It's been, I believe, 32 years now. I uh, was a former professor. That was my previous job before I joined Impact. So if you don't mind, I'd like to just say a couple of words of what is Impact. Oh, I don't mind at all. Please let us know. Because I don't don't think people understand uh, what we are and what we do. So IMPACT is actually an acronym, Iron Worker Management Progressive Action Cooperative Trust. So we're a, a nonprofit, we're a private nonprofit association, completely affiliated with the Iron Workers International Union. So we don't serve anyone else. We only serve the Iron Workers International Union in the US and in Canada. And um, we impact are a labor management trust. This got set up, I believe, 15 years ago. And the way it works is uh, we had labor, labor leaders, and we had signatory contractors. And we were trying to find the best solution to advance our industry um, on both sides of the street, basically. And so the two parties got together and uh, at one of their conventions, they were able to pass a um, rule, I guess you could say, to pass a, a movement that the iron workers and the contractors would all pay, we call it pennies per hour into a fund and the fund became impacts budget. And in exchange, impact provides services to iron workers and contractors. Uh, so for example, we, we offer training. That's one of our big uh, services we provide. There's no additional cost to an individual if they wanna attend the training, they kind of got to get themselves there but um, there are other avenues for helping them pay like travel expenses. The class itself has no additional cost to it, but, but we give out grants. That's part of our uh, function so that if an individual wants to go to a training course, they can request a grant to help pay for their expenses. So we do grants, we do training, we have a maternity program. Uh, which I hope to talk about at some point during this, because <laughs> that's, you know, it's a big hit. We've got off the job accident insurance. So if an individual gets injured off the job, you know, there's no stress, no concern. They can just call us up and, um, you know, with the doctor's information, we will provide a short-term disability to them. And there's a whole host of other services we provide. We provide marketing. So we will 
be able to provide them with the development of a website uh, if they don't already have one. Um, and then all I, they have to do year after year is just pay for their uh, URL, but otherwise we will do the design for them. So there's, there's many services, all of them listed on our website. Cindy, we'll make sure to put that website in the show notes for everybody listening so they can get all that information and more. I love how you've got this all started with a very deep-seated respect for people. The iron uh, workers and yeah. uh, the various different organizations, there are many iron worker companies in the US and Canada partnering together with the contractors for the benefit of the workers. I absolutely love that, Cindy. Really, really important. So, I mean, that is our mission. Our mission, you know, if you go to our website, it's going to tell you that uh, basically just what I said, we're we're in the business of promoting our particular industry. But I, I see kind of my role as, since I'm de director of professional development and training, I so I will clarify this. I am not uh, responsible for apprentice training. We have an entire department that focuses on apprentice training. So if a, an individual wants to join the union, they start out as an apprentice and the, there's no cost to the training. So they just simply join. Uh, obviously they have to go through an application process, but we will train them. And we have apprentice training centers um, in virtually, well, more than one in every state. We have 157, uh, wow. so more than one in every state, uh, plus Canada, all the provinces. Uh, some states obviously, because we have uh, pretty big cities in various states, We'll have multiple training centers. So, so they take care of the apprentice training, which I call skills training. Uh, on my side, I tend to do more of the, I call it uh, human skills training. I call it for foreman and above. If you need a project management course, we've got one. If you need leadership training, communications, uh, we, we have what I call um, different competencies. So it would be business fundamentals. Okay. And I say fundamentals like accounting, insurance, if you want to start your business or if you're already in business, but you need help. So we've got business fundamentals, we've got business administration. Um, so very specific courses on once you've got your business up and running, how do you be successful? We've got project management, um, leadership, we have two types of leadership, just kind of general leadership. And we have field leadership, a very specific focus on training the iron workers to be really solid field leaders. And that's incredible. So I got to just stop you one more time because that, sure, uh, anytime to think about that as an iron worker coming up in the trades, you can start a business and get support from impact that's true. to make a viable business, learn all the skills necessary to grow your business. Right. And then create the next generation or another wave of iron workers serving the construction industry in your local geography, or if you scale large enough, you know, you can go across many geographies. We were at a conference and we met a few individuals that had had their own uh, iron worker and steel business. I think that's a testament to the entrepreneurship encouragement that impact is doing. Okay. So you know that my favorite subject is training and learning. <laughs> I would say some of our most important and popular courses, number one probably is a class we call the Business Fundamentals Academy. 
It's for uh, iron workers who want to start their own company. They want to become an, a union iron worker contractor. One of the challenges is um, in construction, there is a fairly high failure rate for companies. If they can make it to year seven, they stand a very good chance of being successful. But it's those first seven years that are the most challenging. And uh, many individuals don't completely understand what they need to do to get the business started and to, we'll call it, increase their chances of success. So we provide a class. It's five full days, uh, five full days. So they have to make that commitment that they're going to be there for those five full days. And uh, during that uh, week, we bring in different experts to talk about subjects that we, we call it fundamental because we can't teach them everything they need to know, but we will right. teach them the most basic things they must know just to get started. Uh, so we start out with a piece on like success and failure, like what are the uh, characteristics of companies that actually succeed? Uh, and then we jump into accounting and finance. So exciting. And yeah, so that's the most challenging day. We call that day two. Day one is, you know, just getting them motivated to, to stay in the class. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't give up. And we talked to them about like picking their name and setting up their LLC or, or their uh, S or C corps. And we'll talk about how to put together a business plan. Um, and that, of course, is a whole class by itself, just doing business planning. But we want to encourage it. And then day two is accounting all day long. That's the most challenging day <laughs> for them. <laughs> that's when the most coffee gets drunk at the train, oh right? My. Yeah, that's where like they're ah, like, ah, oh my God, <laughs> they have no idea. But we feel like it's critically important. They need to understand that you must know the finances of your company to be successful. Absolutely. Um, so day three is a combination of talking about insurance. So it's just general types of insurance plus uh, workers comp, which is a huge expense for our contractors. Uh, and then the second half of the day, it, we call it business development and marketing. It's uh, how do you build your, your network of general contractors and fabricators that you want to work with uh, so you can actually find work and get awarded work. And of course, we have a whole separate class just on cost estimating. I'll talk about that next. Oh, I love <laughs> um, that. Yeah. So they, they just first need to understand like where do you even go to find uh, projects to bid on and how important it is to build that network. Uh, and then day four is a construction contracts, like understanding the language and construction contracts. Uh, that's my favorite day, of course, because I teach it. <laughs> uh, love talking about it. Oh my gosh. So uh, then the final day is, um, we call it um, the payment process. A critically important, very difficult process of once you've done the work, how do you actually get paid and what to expect? So that makes up the five days. Obviously, we can't include everything, but we felt like that was the, the most fundamental topics they need to know just to get started. And what kind of people come through that course, Cindy? Like, tell me some of the, the personalities and the, where are they in their career? Typically, what do you see in that course? Quite a variety. Uh, we do, we get some fairly, what I would call fairly early career iron workers. Most of them are actually iron workers coming out of the field. 
Uh, but when I say early, that would be 10 years or less experience out in the field. Uh, and then you, we have a lot of like the mid-range between, between 10 and 20 years um, where they've done the work out in the field and they just feel like, okay, it's time. I'm ready to take the next step to start my own company. Uh, and then we get a few that are more in the senior uh, part of their careers beyond 20 years where they might still have a, a good 20 years left and want to get a company started. Yeah, so... A lot of variety, um, lots of diversity. We have uh, surprisingly quite a few women that come through. Obviously, we're not women heavy in the iron workers, but we do get quite a few women to come through and lots of minorities. So uh, really, it's um, uh, we, we kind of think that's possibly our most important class, helping the individual who has that motivation to actually start their own company and you know keeps the industry going they're a new contractor they're going to hire iron workers that helps our union grow that's beautiful so it's, it's a reinforcing feedback loop in systems thinking yes. and yeah, it's absolutely. just good for the united states too cindy you mentioned that uh, a yeah. lot of the companies struggle with making it past the first seven years we see the same thing in business in general in the united states where the, the first year is very delicate. And then if you get past a uh, five-year mark is when a lot of people that, especially in large organizations that make investments into smaller businesses are just looking at businesses in general, getting past that five-year mark is a major milestone. And, but then uh, the 10-year mark is mm -hmm. even more precarious. Very few organizations get past 10 years. Great commentary. Cause that, you know, made me think about the next step, which is after we started the business fundamentals, which has been, we've been teaching it for six years, basically. Uh, a couple of years after that, we realized that people were walking away from the class and some would start their business, but others just, they were still struggling with how do I really get going? Because the challenge is they need to work. So they need to be having, they have to have their day job, go out and work in the field. Um, and in the evenings, they were struggling to get the business going. So we now have a program, we call it BILD, B-I-L-D, run by another individual. Um, it's the Business Incubator Leadership uh, Development Program. And so when an individual expresses an interest in starting a company, or maybe they've already started it and they're kind of in the early stages, they can call up my colleague, uh, Carrie Walters, uh, in a, a male, Carrie Walters, who um, has experience with starting his own company, and he's worked. He formerly worked for Barton Mallow. He's uh, basically an a, you know an accountant. That's his uh, skills training. So uh, he's got a great set of skills and a former Marine. So he's very disciplined. And so in, we have a, a quite a number of individuals that are. They, they call it being in his program where he helps them connect with the right resources to increase that possibility of success. Because we understand the training alone isn't going to quite going to do it. They need additional help. I like that. Positive shout out to Carrie. Yes, Carrie. Yeah, uh, Carrie, you know, thank you. You might need to be the next person on your podcast. <laughs> it's just a fantastic program. He's He could probably tell you all about the different stages uh, that people are in and what kinds of resources uh, they tend to need the most. I mean, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, we'll add uh, contact info, Cindy, if you send that to me, I'll make sure we put okay. his contact info in the show notes so that 
anyone who's out there thinking about starting a business in iron work and you're an iron worker, please, yeah. there are resources for you. You've already paid for them. And as uh, working for a general contractor, we've already paid for you. So please take advantage of the things that are out there at your disposal because we need you to start businesses. We need future business leaders. And Cindy, I know that you and I both love the topic of leadership. Do you guys have a course on leadership? Many. <laughs> oh my, we have many. So I'm going to talk about our, maybe our most important one. So just to put things into context, there are some classes that we impact develop in-house. And when I say we, I'm a one-man show. So it's usually me and I go out and I find a subject matter expert and we work together. So we developed uh, the Business Fundamentals Academy in-house. Okay. But all the people that teach it other than myself uh, are essentially vendors that we brought in. They've got special expertise. And uh, so for most of our courses, I will say this, um, for most of our courses, they are, I have gone out and found vendors to teach the courses. So leadership's a pretty general subject. Uh, I wasn't about to uh, create that from scratch because there's some <laughs> outstanding programs out there. So a shout out to the uh, vendor we use for our most important one. It's uh, FMI, pretty well known in the construction industry, yes. construction industry consultant. They also do training. Uh, they have something called, uh, on their end, it's called the Leadership Institute. It's a four-day program. And they have tailored a version of it that we call Impact's Leadership Experience. And it's, again, a four-day program. Um, again, we fully cover the, uh, the expenses for an individual that goes through it, but it, there's a whole nomination process because it's, it's geared towards up-and-coming leaders or individuals that are newly in a leadership position or they're in a leadership position, but they still have many years to work, five to 10 or more years to work. And uh, the FMI program uh, the way it's structured is there are a lot of team activities and there's actually a team contest. Uh, but maybe the, the highlight of it is they, 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 the individual has to complete a series of basically self-assessments. Uh, so it assess, like they do the Myers-Briggs test and they do the uh, Highlands Natural Abilities Battery and they do a 360 evaluation. And uh, the final day is they work one-on-one -on -one with a counselor. And so for many individuals that go through the program, this is absolutely just a, almost a life changer for them. Like they suddenly, they've done some self-reflection, which, you know, I love that. I just Me love too. That. I'm with you. Totally love it. I think everybody should do some self-reflection. And, and for many, this might be the first time they've really done that very deep dive into uh, their motivations and uh, their personality and what drives them. And they'll walk away. Many of them walk away just transformed. It's phenomenal. So that's our most popular leadership course. But we have a variety of others, mostly taught by uh, the different vendors. And, and the other ones tend to be a little shorter. We have. Well, on that one, Cindy, let me bring you back to that one. So on that leadership course that, that you guys have in from FMI, do you see the nominations being like 
journeymen already going to lead positions or where are they in the, where are they coming in from? The types of uh, participants include um, like CEOs, vice presidents. Uh, they might be a project manager that's slated to actually move up into uh, the C-suite. We've got field superintendents, some general foremen. We typically don't uh, get many below general foremen. Okay. So we've got the general foreman coming into this and then people inside of organizations or companies running inside. Yes, so this is, uh, this is incredible because at, at those levels, at general foreman and above, you've got a lot of people that you're influencing and leading in your exactly. organizations. How, what, what would you get? What would you gauge as like the size of the organizations? Like, is it like a, you know, a 10 person operation all the way to like how big? That sounds about right. So usually it could be anywhere from a, a small organization. So, so for example, someone who's in business fundamentals, who's started their company, they're now the CEO, they're maybe a little nervous about being in that kind of a leadership role. They're now leading the entire company. They qualify. Uh, there are individuals, like you say, that are in the 10 employee type of company. Uh, there are big companies, big companies pretty regularly will send their up and coming leaders because they see, you know, that I give them credit for having the vision. They recognize their time in their company is finite and they need to have, you know, a pool of individuals that are going to run the company when they're gone. Uh, and we also get, so it's not just, just contractors and just the iron workers, it's also labor leaders will say so at the local unions so if you for i'll give a quick lesson if you don't understand yeah. the way the union is structured uh in every state and oftentimes in many of the cities in every state they have what's called a local union and so the local union is their own little business uh we we often um we often uh use the analogy it's sort of like a franchise sure <laughs> Makes okay. sense. So you've got here in Washington, D.C., the um, the International Association of the Ironworkers and the union. And then in all these different states and in different cities, the local union, the, the local union will run their own business operations. And so all of those individuals, especially those that are business managers or business agents, they're eligible to be in the program. And we really like a balance. We like to have about 50 percent of the participants uh, on the more of the contractor side, employer side, and about 50% on uh, labor side so that they can see each other's perspective and they can have those great conversations. And they can, so, I love that too, because surprise, we're all human beings. Doesn't yes. matter what we do for a living. And like uh, Cindy, even yourself, I mean, your background, you jump right over the fact that you served in the U.S. military. Right. And uh, you'd love learning and teaching. And you've, oh, even, right. you've even been a professor and taught one of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> you just jumped over all of that stuff. Can you just right. uh, go back for a second and just how did uh, your experiences in the Air Force uh, help you when you transition into teaching and then being so instrumental on guiding so many business leaders in the union iron workers in the United States of America and Canada. And Canada, right. So uh, it's kind of a, 
interesting uh, path, we'll say. <laughs> uh, I was, um, uh, so I'm going to start right from, from the very beginning. Hey, real quick. Construction is one of the only industries that's become less productive over the past six decades. 60% of construction job cost is labor. 80% of construction projects are over budget. 60% aren't on time. Struxy replaces paper time sheets and manual data entry with easy to use software. How much are inefficient job sites costing you? One of our customers estimates they'll save millions per year with Struxy. Read the case study at our website, struxy.com. That's S-T-R-U-X-I.com. Software for hard work. You can also visit us at World of Concrete in Las Vegas come January. And, you know, be completely honest with you, I came from kind of a lower income family. And uh, so my parents were not college educated. I wanted to go to college, but I had no idea really how I was going to to do that without, you know, being able to get scholarships. So got accepted into a great school, USC, uh, in Southern California, and um, they paid for my first year. But after my first year, I had to find my own funding, basically. At the time, my brother had just uh, graduated from college, and he did it the hard way. He kind of worked and went to school and he uh, joined the Marine Reserves, but none of his education was paid for. So when I uh, got accepted, he right away started pushing me to uh, get an Air Force scholarship. He, he was honest. He said, like, don't, go, don't get Army, don't get Marines, just go to the Air Force. Uh, so I, you know, I went into Air Force ROTC, ultimately did get the scholarship. They paid for all that education, which was great. Had the degree. Civil yes. engineering, right? So it was pretty clear what I was going to do when I got in the Air Force. <laughs> so I had my degree in civil engineering, you know, went to my first base, McDill Air Force Base in Florida. And right away, they put me uh, in a department on uh, project planning. And from there, I was only there for about a year and a half. I left and went out onto the Aleutian Islands. And there, it's it was all very much, everybody does it themselves. Like we had no extra support there because we were so far out. And uh, they put me in charge of construction, being the owner's representative. So I worked hand in hand with the Corps of Engineers. I didn't work for them, but I was the owner's rep and they were the contract manager for it, for all the construction out there. That's how I got into construction. My God, that's fascinating. Cindy, I didn't know that about you. All the times we've talked for years and years and years, I had no idea. That is awesome. That's a great story. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. And, and, then and you just, there. oh no, and no, I just want to highlight to everybody, like I've known Cindy for a long time. She always just grabs hold and takes responsibility like you did with your education, like you did when you were out in, uh, what do they say? In like in the middle of nowhere, far, far, far right. away. And I think that's really admirable. And I, I want to just say that uh, it's inspiring, Cindy, to hear your story and just how you had a problem and you went after it. And that, that type of uh, learning mindset you've, you've transferred through all the work that you do and every interaction that you've had. And keep going, please. I'm just, I'm just getting excited because I'm, I feel <laughs> you're giving me my morning inspiration. Well, great. Yeah, I'm glad I can... Uh 
contribute to waking you. I know you're you're on a much earlier timeline than I am this morning. It's zero dark thirty, Cindy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Here <laughs> it's like mid mid morning for us. So yeah, uh, after that, I um, I ended up spending nine years in the military because they sent me back to school when I left the Aleutian Islands. They sent me back to Penn State University. You know, another shout out there, great school. Oh my God, love Penn State. Everybody yes. I've met from Penn State, I absolutely love Penn State. Go uh, Penn State. Yeah. I didn't go there, but <laughs> everybody I meet that comes from Penn State are just amazing people. Uh, it's, it's just a fantastic school, fantastic place. I um, mean, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, but once I got done there, I owed them the Air Force four more years. Um, and so I, you know, filled out my time, uh, moved around the U.S. several times. And uh, eventually my time was up. I had a choice. I could stay in or I could get out. But I really wanted to stay in the construction industry. And the way it works in the military, you tend to rise through the ranks and you might not be able to stay in your chosen field because you're gonna become a leader. And so I uh, totally got that, but I really wanted to stay in construction. So I got out and uh, I was in Texas when I got out and I left there and I went to uh, Chicago. Uh, I had never lived in Chicago before, um, but I felt like this is easy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm the construction person. Uh, it'll be easy to get a job in Chicago. It turned out to be totally true. <laughs> Got there, had no problem getting a job. Uh, worked in the construction industry in Chicago, just doing basically being a project manager. Uh, but, you know, I'm married and uh, my husband had a career. He was uh, actually at that point up at the, you know, like a fire chief level. So uh, he got a job in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, so I followed him there and, and went to work at, on their performing arts center. I was one of the project managers for Findorf. And uh, while I was there, I found out I had GI Bill. So in addition to all the education that the Air Force provided, they said I had more education benefits. So I was literally working right down the street from uh, the University of Wisconsin and went in and talked to them and said, I have the benefits. I'd really like to work on a PhD. At the time, I was 36. And uh, they said, uh, I, my, my academic advisor was primarily Awad Hanna, Dr. Awad Hanna. He, he works heavily with CII uh, and Jeff Russell. And so Awad Hanna very kindly uh, hired me on. I had a fellowship through Mortensen in addition to my uh, Air Force uh, benefits. And, you know, and so I went to school full time to get the PhD. Of course, they were like pushing me like, you're not getting any younger. <laughs> you got to hurry up. So, uh, so I managed to get it done um, before I turned 40. <laughs> and uh, so it was great. Uh, I, I totally, it's totally worth it. Anyone thinking of doing a PhD, it's totally worth it. Just remember, you probably should try to get it done before you hit 40. Um, so uh, from there, I uh, got hired to be a, an assistant professor at the University of Texas in Austin, Texas. Obviously a great school. Yes. Uh, top brain programs, just a terrific faculty, terrific program. So I worked there for about three and a half years. Uh, I admit I had a really strong desire to live in Chicago. <laughs> that was my favorite spot on earth. Uh, yeah. and Do you so see the Sears Tower over my shoulder? 
it's it's hard to see but if there's a little sears tower right there that's where i grew up too and i was also a project manager really? in chicago oh, love the city i never knew that so there, my story is i left uh the university of texas i got hired by the illinois institute of technology there in chicago obviously much smaller school um, fine with me. Loved the location. Absolutely loved. And I was, uh, I felt like I was strongly connected to industry there. A lot of companies, you know, because I was an academic, I'm not one of their competitors there to help. Uh, this leads into like, how did, how did I get involved with lean construction? Uh, because when I showed up there in Chicago, which was 2000 and 2010, 2000, 10. Uh, I went first of all and visited the Associated General Contractors there and just asked them in general, like, what's going on in Chicago? What should I know about? You know, I'm just going to start my career here with IIT. And uh, they said, well, uh, all of our contractors are interested in this new concept. It's called lean. You know, I kind of laughed. I thought, yeah, you know, that's not new. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah, because that was 2010, right? 2010. And they yeah. said, but it's new to us. So I, I totally got it. So, okay, right. I, I get it. And so uh, what I told them was, you know, I'd be willing to teach a lean class. And um, they knew that there were some specific contractors that were trying to get a, a community of practice started. And they said, we can put you together. We can put you in touch with these uh, particular contractors that have approached us so that you guys can talk about it. And that's how it evolved. We had kind of our, we'll call it the, the ones that got us started, the, the key right. um, contractors that were uh, initially interested. And what they wanted was uh, for the, basically the chair of the, the COP, they wanted a neutral party. So they didn't want, you know, someone to be in charge there that would be a competitor for them. Yeah. They're all, you know, kind of. I, I just got to tell but... all, all the listeners, uh, Cindy, I worked in Chicago for the first part of my career. It is one of the most competitive yes, markets. Very much like so. I work, uh, I've worked in a, a couple of cities around the United States and I've never felt the same level of competition right. like I do in Chicago. It is definitely something in the culture and competition is not a bad thing. But it can be uh, problematic when you're trying to start something like a lean construction community of practice. Exactly. So, and I will give a shout out to our mutual friend Leon. Leon, Leon if you're listening, we love you, Leon. One of the originals, yeah, Leon Lajanes, custom contracting. So he was one of the uh, founding fathers. I'll give a you know a sad shout out, Bob Creer. He was from uh, Hill Group, who unfortunately passed away. Uh, Mark Skander. Um, Offshan, Barshan, they're heavily involved with lean. There was a, a really solid group of yeah, those are good people. CEO, CEOs, top, yeah. very top level. Top half level. half the people you named are good friends of mine still. Great. Yeah. yeah Offshan you know, is uh he's got a special place in my heart and he loves to make fun of me. So that's just uh, bonus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he was really one of the pushers of getting this started. Uh, so he had uh, he had been working, for, I believe, for a home builder, was very successful at getting uh, lean going, got hired by Skender, and uh, was very successful at helping Skender 
seriously improve their processes in their companies. So they're all, they're still both very, very involved with Lean and all oh, great company. I mean, they were so, as a professor, they were just fantastic for me to work at because I remember this one time they had their, uh, basically their weekly work planning process. And I was with my student and we were at their board talking about how does this really work? And they went into great depth explaining. And in the process, I mean, this was great for all of us. Mm -hmm. I, they were explaining how they do it. And I said, that's interesting because I haven't seen anyone else do it that way. It was like the aha for them. They're like, oh, interesting. We hadn't really thought that we might be the only ones doing this this way. So it was great for them. Great for me. Great to have that really deep conversation. You know, I felt very privileged uh, because they would, many of the contractors would share their processes with me. I so enjoyed my time in Chicago, but uh, I'll put this as, you know, as delicate as I can. I just wasn't that crazy about the academic life. Uh, it was really a tremendous amount of work, not to put anyone off who wants to go into academics. You're doing a lot of research, lots of pressure to keep bringing money in for research, as well as teaching. I enjoyed the students thoroughly. So one of my um, agreements was I would teach the lean course. I would also be one of the chairs of their COP. We would hold events. I think we were doing it quarterly. We would have a, an afternoon event. It was a learning event. And, uh, you know, I promised to teach students so that they could hire them. So the companies would hire someone who had some knowledge of lean, uh, you know, and eventually I kind of migrated away from that. I hated to leave Chicago and I hated to leave all my friends there. But uh, then I got this opportunity here at the Iron Workers International Union. It's really, really been fantastic. This is where I feel at home. Every yeah. time I've seen you, I've seen you, you just light up with the big smile and all the people at impact that we've been together with, they definitely love having you at impact. Uh, I appreciate it. I, I so yeah. enjoy being here They And I think they know that too. Uh, I just, you know, sometimes you're looking, looking, looking for, you know, that, that job that's really going to be satisfying. I found it here. So if you're not happy in your job, just keep looking. It's that's out right. there. Do what Cindy does. Just show up at the front door and say, hey, what's going on here that I should know about? And people just open up and tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so it was, good... it was really great being an academic uh, and having kind of that that much privilege with the contractors at impact here. So when I, I admit when I got hired, I uh, wasn't really sure what I would be doing. And they said, well, you get to create your own job. And they kind of gave me some general parameters, like we need to get some training going. They had a little bit of training going for the contractor. We used to call it contractor training. Um, I prefer to think of it as like non-skills. It's not the apprentice training. Uh, so for, like I say, foreman and above, that was, uh, that's how it's evolved basically is all about conducting training programs around the country. This will lead into a topic I know you wanted to talk about, getting things done. Let's go there. Let's, <laughs> Let's GTD. <go>. So <laughs> I, you know, I, I was first introduced to getting things done, GTD, back in 2006, when I became a professor at the University of Texas. 
uh, they wanted to teach us about time management. I know now why. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me like at the university, the yes. school recognized that they needed to teach their professors about time management. Yes, that's true. Oh, I yep. love that. So, so when, <laughs> when, you know, there's like a orientation process for new professors there and, and once a month they'd have like a speaker and we would go and listen to the speaker on the different topics. Uh, they were, you know, admittedly, they're trying to increase the success of their professors. And they recognize that these are going to be the possibly the only, they'll be the busiest people on the planet other than the president of the United States. <laughs> That's what I used to say. <laughs> I can't complain because, you know, the president's busier than I am. But otherwise, I felt like I was the busiest person on the planet. Uh, and so time management was important. I l always loved that type of topic. I was super organized. You know, I came from the military, loved it in the military, was just ultra organized. And I went to this, um, this time management uh, lecture, we'll say, put on by another young professor. And he said, he introduced, he's like, he held up the book and he said, this is what I use. And I devoured the book. I bought it. I read the whole thing. I still have my original copy all marked up with little tabs in it and set up my system, which I've been using ever since 15 years. Yep. And, uh, and Cindy's made, I want to just tell everybody, yeah. like Cindy's got such a good habit on GTD that I later she became a champion or Lean Construction Institute for me as a speaker. She was my champion. I was showing her what Scrum is and it did not convert her. She did not convert. She stayed <laughs> yeah. GTD. That's how strong it is for her. Uh, so, it's it's solidly in place. Uh, yes. It works very well in my current position. It maybe you're, works well. You're the better. only one. Cindy, you're, you're my only one that got away that I didn't convert yeah. so far. I was I batting mean, I, a thousand until, until I bumped into GTD. <laughs> I still need to learn about Scrum, how we can connect the two. But definitely I've got my system in place and uh, a lot of what I do here at the iron workers is uh, I, I would say there's a few main tasks. Obviously I develop coursework, but these are specialized coursework. I told you, I would tell you more about it. Like we developed the business fundamentals Academy myself and some uh, subject matter experts, but we've also recently developed a cost estimating class, very specific to the iron working industry. So we've got a, structural cost estimating course that's for structural steel you know the big pieces right. and then we uh, we just finished and we're still pilot testing our rebar cost estimating because that process is actually quite different when you're estimating and uh next week in chicago a week from today I have a meeting with a contractor, one of our own contractors for the, they call it architectural metal and glass, <clears throat> which, you know, we, we could equate that to be like curtain wall. Yes. So uh, we will have a class for that specialty as well. It's just getting kicked off the development of it. So I do development work and uh, I, I do a little bit of teaching. I don't have to do a lot of teaching because it's very, very time consuming, but I, uh, it, otherwise I administer programs and we're always looking for new classes that we can add to our course catalog. But the, we do a lot of administration. Uh, like I said, we travel our courses around 
And we have a system. Um, this would take too much time to explain <laughs> how the uh, how the fairness works, but we've got something called um, district councils. It's really an iron worker term. District councils around the country, and they all get to request a class. They don't have to have a class, but but if they want a class every year, they get a class, and nice. uh, we will like send out our vendor. And the vendor will go and teach the the class for them. That's beautiful. Yeah. Now I wanted to ask you because this is something that we've talked about quite a bit uh, on classes. Health and mental health are becoming very important in our industry. People who watch the show know that we we are the number one industry for suicide in the United States uh, for the last two years, and we want to we want to stop being number one in that way. What kind of courses or what is impact doing with the iron workers in this area, Cindy? That's a great question. Um, on the, uh, you know, you know, I told you this before, I really like the self-reflection, uh, you know, like the, the deep inner work. Uh, I think every person could really benefit from uh, that kind of an experience. And so the, the I would say lately, um, there's a few programs that have been launched. I wouldn't call them specifically training. Mm -hmm. but they're uh, resources, strong resources. The, so the first one is we have a maternity program. So I consider this to be a wellness resource. We don't want to lose our women iron workers. And so when they get pregnant, they can only stay on the job site so long, and then they, they can't be doing that kind of very difficult physical labor. And so we have a maternity program for these women who they need to take some time off. You know, maybe there's no way to keep them in the office or they stay in the office as long as they can, but maybe at some point they need to stop working until they you know, have their baby and have maternity leave. So, so we've got some upfront benefits before the baby's born and some benefits uh, afterwards to give them some time. And the idea is we wanna keep them in the industry. We just don't want them just saying, I have no other option, I've gotta quit, I'm done. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want them to, to be able to continue their career. So that's one of our big programs. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, for as a, as a member of the human race, I think it's lovely that people wanna keep having kids. Please, let's continue. <laughs> so this true. is a... Uh, as my friend in Germany says, this is not a problem. We need to have uh, ways to encourage people to start their families. And if they want to keep working, keep working. That's right. Yeah. And, and you know, there's other countries that maybe do a better job than the U.S., but I, this is a fantastic program. Uh, I don't have all the statistics, admittedly, but I think it's helped tremendously to retain uh, many of our women iron workers, because just because they're an iron worker doesn't mean they don't want to have children. Lots of right. people want to have children. So we're trying to make it uh, possible for them to have both a career and to have children. Right. So, so this should not be a mystery. This is the, you know, 21st century. <laughs> so, so on the uh, topic of uh, mental health, big, big push right now in the iron workers. So I'm going to kind of hold this up if you can see it here. Yeah, I can see we it. We have this little, uh, uh, tri we call it a trifold. And the emphasis here is we're distributing these to our members uh, because as you absolutely said, mental health 
suicide especially is, uh, I think the construction industry has the highest suicide rate or pretty close to it. It does. And then within the construction industry, I believe the iron workers are number one or number two in terms of their suicide rate. So fortunately, we've had some very forward-looking leaders and uh, many of them recognize that um, this whole, the whole issue of suicide and addiction oftentimes are connected. So, so here's how it often will play out. It, you've got an iron worker, they're working on the job site, they get injured. They go to the doctor. Unfortunately, the doctor gives them an opioid painkiller. And if they've got that addictive tendency, you can call it a gene or, or just a tendency, mm -hmm. they become addicted. They didn't intend to, they're not bad people. They almost become just a victim of the circumstance. So then they become addicted, but it's just a downward spiral. Uh, you know, if you know people who've been through that cycle, there, it's it's very difficult to overcome an addiction and they just feel worse and worse about themselves and that leads to suicidal thoughts and tendencies. So we recognize this uh, spiral and um, the iron workers have put a big emphasis, number one, on addressing the addiction problem, uh, but also in uh, removing the stigma of suffering from an addiction and especially in being in a recovery program, we've got some super strong members who are in recovery who are very vocal about putting together recovery programs. So, uh, so far, uh, I can tell you what I know about what we've been doing. We've, we've certainly had no fewer than four webcasts. These would be live webcasts with experts who have talked about the addiction and suicide uh, phenomenon going on right now. And uh, we've put in place some programs through some uh, experts, vendors, basically. So if a local union wants to put a program in place, uh, they now have a resource. They can go to these vendors that we're working with. Uh, so we've, we've got one webinar on uh, an individual who I, I'll attribute the, the push from this individual. He might not be the only one, but he was willing to step up, <clears throat> admit that uh, he had been in that cycle mm -hmm. and uh, went through a very, very strong recovery program and now he's just very vocal about telling everybody it works and we can't just keep burying our head in the sand. We need to put in place recovery programs and we need to remove the stigma. So he's really been instrumental. So we've had the, him, he got onto a webinar and basically told his story about what happened to him. Uh, and then since then, we've had four additional webinars on uh, suicide and addiction. And um, we there was a very emotional presentation recently from a, a contractor whose son had committed suicide. So, so we were, you know, people are now coming out of the woodworks telling, being willing to tell their story, because that's one of the ways we learn. 
we learn right. compassion by hearing what people go through and that, you know, what the techniques are they've used to actually survive, you know, this sort of grief. So, so the iron workers is, have done a phenomenal job. Uh, I personally was so pleased when I started opening up and uh, having these webinars. Uh, the other thing we're doing is um, at some of our major events, like we, we impact have a conference every year we have a two major training events every year in addition to all the other training. When we have these events, we are now scheduling in the evenings uh, what we call a recovery meeting. So individuals that don't want to go to the free bar and get all the free drinks, they, you know, they prefer to go to the recovery meeting, they have an alternative. So we are doing that. We are openly scheduling recovery meetings. Uh, local unions are also allowing 12-step um, step programs to be conducted at their local unions. I mean, it's really, in my mind, this is a positive development. That's a major shift. Terrific. <laughs> You're yeah. right. It is a, it's a bit of a shift, and it's only taken place, I would say, within the last five years. Uh, and it's really taken off probably within the last two or three, like really taken off. So uh, they're doing a terrific job of just removing that stigma and allowing people to come out in the open and talk about their experience. I absolutely love that. Cindy, we have so much more to talk about, yes. but we have things to do. We need to GTD. <laughs> so I want to thank yeah. you so much for coming on to the show and sharing all these beautiful stories of continuous improvement and lean is alive and well in the iron workers in the United States and Canada. And I'm sure also abroad. Well, I appreciate you inviting me on so I can talk about what's going on within pick there. There's just so much going on. You're right. We need half a day to talk about all the interesting programs that, uh, the iron workers are putting in place. You know, my, I, I will give one final shout out, uh, that for any general contractor out there, I you know I hope you're aware of the the many ways that the unions are taking care of their people, the iron the, in our case the iron workers, but as well as serving uh, their contractors. We just have this this environment in the iron workers of uh, mutual respect. And uh, like you say, continuous improvement with uh, the contractors and the individuals, you know, and um, just interested in improving our industry. Thank you so much, Cindy. Have a great rest of your day. Everyone out there, be well. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build. <laughs>